All right, Vince, previews are all over, so it's time for you and I to make an episode of Dies to Removal about the new set. Pretty spicy stuff in there, huh? Oh, definitely. There's so many things I want to talk about. A few things I'm a little bit worried about, but on the whole, I'm excited. I can't wait to talk about Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Forgotten Realms? Vince, we can't talk about that old news. We've got to cover the new previews. That makes no sense. The set's not even out yet. Yeah, 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 but Wizards of the Coast has already started previewing the fall set, Crimson Vow and Midnight Hunt, so we gotta talk about that. Hey, wild new Garrick card, huh? Whoa, 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 wait, 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 uh, I need to see this. Give me 15 minutes. Give me 15 minutes, I'll go have a look and I'll come back. 15 minutes later. Okay, okay, I've, I'm up to speed. I've seen the Arling Cord Planeswalker that flips over and it can be your commander. I'm quite excited for this. Are you ready to record this, Brian? No, Vince, it's too late. They've already started previewing the next set. The next next set. It's returned to New Phyrexia, and they've got an Elishnorn Planeswalker that creates Mox Pearl tokens, but she costs seven, so lame. Hang, hang on, Brian, I'm getting a push notification, a vibration. Lorwyn versus Return to Ravnica? Coming soon, they've started revealing it with like Shadowmoor versions of, the of all 10 guilds in one set? Wait, how exactly does that work? What's the opposite of the Demir Guild? Is that like Azurius or would it be Boros? And do they just run around on the streets announcing to everybody that they exist? Also, I really wanted to talk about Return to New Fire. No time, Brian. We can't talk about that now. Secret Lair, Teletubbies, three-day window, Lawin to return to whatever is so old news. Have you seen this Tinky Winky card? Dredge really did get a new toy this time. No, who cares about that? Previews for summer 2023 are starting. Are you seeing this artwork? It looks like we're returning to Mercadia and there's a Phyrexianized Chuck E. Cheese mascot fist fighting Gideon in a rain soaked parking lot. Wait, wait, I'll DM it to you. Oh, wow. It does look like the magic artwork's got grittier and more realistic. Is that Hannah Ship's Navigator fighting the elongated spirit of- You need to stop dwelling on old news, Vince. They've just started previewing Kamigawa Dance Party, a cyberpunk Kamigawa set that will exclusively feature the characters of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, I always thought they were from New York. Who cares, Brian? Have you not seen the preview images on the official Magic the Gathering Legends Action RPG account and what they've been tweeting? Wait, didn't that close before it could even get out of beta? That's unimportant, Brian. Focus. New Orc cards, Warhammer Commander deck. Apparently you have to shout war at the top of your lungs when you cast an Orc. I don't want to shout war at the top of my lungs when I cast an Orc. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. It looks like Mark Rosewater's blog has started talking about 2034's Return to Lorwyn versus Return to Return to Ravnica sequel set, which is being titled Return to Theros Beyond Beyond Death Death. Does it say where it's set? Uh, it's set on Ixalan. Brian, please, just stop. Stop. I, I can't handle it anymore. On and on, round and round. Where will it stop? Nobody knows. Have we really strayed this far from God? Like, what have we got left to pay? Brian, how can it keep going on like this? When, Brian? When will it stop, Brian? Wow, Vince, I didn't realize you felt that strongly about us returning to Ixalan. And welcome once again to Dies to Removal, the Magic the Gathering video podcast that tries its hardest to be able to have a new episode out every time a new set is out, and that is harder and harder with each passing day. But we made it. We got in by the hair of our chitty chin chins, and speaking of hairy chins, Vince, how you doing? Hello, Brian. I'm good, thank you. I'm excited to roll some dice and all that. How are you? How are you feeling? I'm I'm feeling very taken aback by how angry everybody is about rolling dice. Is that an accurate assessment with Forgotten Realms that there's a, a large amount of the community that is genuinely upset about the dice rolling here? Or is that just magic Twitter? Um, I, th I think... I don't know if you've done any videos on the dice. I did one video on the dice, and the comments were filled with people telling me that I was I was shrugging it off because I was saying no one cares at pre-release at FNM. Roll even roll spin downs if you want. You're not cutting each other's decks either. It's casual. But yeah, there are people who are upset. Adding more RNG to magic isn't magic apparently, and therefore it's damaging the sanctity of the game, which I don't necessarily agree with. I got a lot of things to say on that. 
Okay, <laughs> let's 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 break it down. There's there's two things that that are the the part of this argument with die rolling. One of them is the ultimate pedantic nonsense. Get ready for some comments on this, which is should you roll a proper d20 or a spin down? And if you roll a spin down, are you able to manipulate it for a more favorable roll? And uh, <laughs> my ruling on that is, oh my god, who the hell cares? You should be lucky you're sitting at a table rolling a die because like, oh my God, there's no competitive magic. There's nothing going on. You're just playing for maybe a pack at your local game store. Is someone trying to cheat you by rolling a spin down? Oh my God. I could, I just... I don't so, have it in me. Obviously, Vince. I don't have it in me to care about that. W- when we get back to having Compariel events, if and when, there's a lot of questions to be had there, and probably another episode of this podcast, but if and when, they've already said that it has to be a physical, actual, real D20. They're giving away real D20s in the pre-release kits. They're yeah, not spinning down great. for actual D20s. So the chances of you getting scummed in a game of this are going to get lower and lower and lower. But the problem I had was that the same people who tap the top of your deck and don't even cut you before you play your game at pre-release right. or F&M, they're the same people claiming that they're going to get some sort of joy out of enforcing that you don't roll spin-downs. And I've seen this before already. I've seen people get weird about not... If you're both randomizing on the same um, spin-down, I've seen people get defensive and weird about that in the past. So it's just going to be exasperated by the fact that this is now a core mechanic of the game or the set. So... So full yeah. disclosure, I'm actually one of the types, and uh, you can ask my friends and family about this because I've annoyed them to no end, that I do ask when we're playing, uh, uh, God forbid if it's actual Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder, but also if we're just starting a game to roll for high and they pull out a spin down, I always say, hey, do we have like a proper D20 or some uh, a pair of D6s we could roll instead? But I, I really, I'm, I, I, I do believe that rolling a spin down is not the way to go. But I don't care. And and every now and then I sit down and someone pulls out a spin down and rolls it before I can say anything. And you know what I go? I go, all right, whatever. It's just like I don't care that much. Yeah. Well, what one is evidently better than the other, which is the real the real die. But the idea of like enforcing it at your FNM level against some new kid who's playing or giving them a hard time over it or getting some glee out of it, it's just very strange and very weird. I don't think anyone's going to be rolling a spin down to try and cheat you because it's, it's I, I, I hazard to say as well, it's, it's very difficult to do. Like if they physically actually roll it properly, it's not going to happen. But yeah, so I think it's a mountain out of a molehill is how yeah. I described it. A huge mountain out of a molehill. It's, it's just one of those things like I, I've never been too interested in learning all the tricks to detect if someone is cheating you in magic either because I'm not pl- if I was playing at a GP absolutely you're in the you're playing competitively I, I I know all the pros know what to look for and that's great stuff but I'm just playing Saturday morning six to seven person modern pod at my LGS and if someone needs to cheat in that to win a booster pack which is probably what they're walking away with then whatevs I just I don't yeah, and I also want to, I want to like really drive home the idea that I've played in probably 30 plus GPs, like main events, and I, I reckon I've never been cheated in those events, because cheating isn't as rampant as some fringe corners of this community claim it is, because it's right. like a very clickbaity thing to be like, cheat a court again. It happens, there's been high profile cases of it, there was high profile cases just before the pandemic at GPs and Pro Tours. It does happen, but I think it's a lot rarer than people make out because people don't have the gumption to do it and it's not as easy as people make it out to be either. You see it sometimes, don't you? People saying Pro Magic's all about cheating and stuff, which is just complete nonsense, a complete fabrication. So I want to really drive that home, that cheating is not as common or rampant as some um, people who've struggled to win some events then might start to claim to make themselves feel better is what I normally see as what's happening. Now, the other aspect to the die rolling is one that I do see having some validity, which is the concern that many of these cards requiring the die roll go from a maybe barely desirable effect to a very desirable effect, depending on how you roll, and that this greatly affects you playing that card because it's one thing to be able to play a card and get a guaranteed result from that play. And it's another thing to play a card and then roll a die and you've got, you know, now just a chance at getting the effect you want, which maybe is too much 
RNG, as they might say. What do you think of that? Uh, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of the cards don't have very good effects even when you're rolling, let's say, average, right? You, you roll hot, you roll cold, and you roll average. Even when you're rolling average, a lot of these cards aren't very good. Um, so I think a lot of them just won't see any play, and that's fine, right? This is something we talk about with dungeons later as well, but it's okay for them to do mechanics that are just a bit of fun or thematic for the set or for that standard, but don't then go on to ruin every format they touch and make the game miserable until they errata or ban stuff. It's okay for them to play it safe, and this feels like they're playing it safe. Uh, the added variance, do you, do you feel that the added variance makes the game worse? Do you feel it, does it make it more like Hearthstone, as I keep seeing people say? I, I don't know, because I've never played Hearthstone. Uh, I, I played it once, once on someone's stream uh, for about five minutes. I didn't much care for it, but I feel that the issue is is that I, I like that they tried to incorporate die rolling, because that's obviously the, 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 the big of Dungeons & Dragons, but unfortunately, I think they may have missed in this implementation because it just makes it so that these really cool cards, like they have the deck of many things or, or all, all these other roll a die cards that are so flavorful. Like when I saw the art for the deck of many things and I read the name of it and I, I just really was like, I can't wait to play this. And then it's just like, oh, I'm never going to play this. And so there's playing it safe, or there's maybe there should have been a focus more on capturing D&D flavor, but not so much trying to replicate D&D mechanics within magic. And you should have kept it with magic mechanics expressing the feel of D&D flavor. And I, I think that's my opinion on this. A really good example are the class cards, which those are basically just level up. And I really like these cards. I wish they had done more of them, quite frankly, because these still operate like a magic card. They have magic card art on them in, a, in that uh, uh, long saga style. It's using a level up mechanic, but it's representing that idea of choosing your class in D&D and, well, leveling up. And so I think those are much more of a home run than the roll of die cards and... Uh, quite frankly, the dungeon cards, which I started out really excited on, and then the more I saw uh, and learned what they were, I've, I'm completely cold on them now, actually. I, I, I do want to, before we move on to classes and dungeons, I do want to say with the roll of dice thing, though, I think having it be that there is a one result that is normally quite poor, and then a 20 result that's fantastic, and all this mid-range stuff that's not so good, I think that does accurately portray playing a game involving dice it's kind of like top deck i guess that exists in magic already because sometimes you top deck the cards you need but from playing a lot of warhammer recently sometimes you just need to make that 12 inch charge which brian you can have no idea what i'm talking about there but sometimes no. you need to make it and you, you you go for it and you get it and you're like that's it i'm gonna remember rolling that 12 inch charge you're gonna remember going i'm gonna lose this game unless i roll this d20 and hit a 20 and you hit it so I like it a lot. I just don't think it's going to have a huge impact on magic. And maybe that's the best way for it. If they're going to do outlandish and weird things like bring dice in, maybe it's best they do play it incredibly safe. Um, like they've done with dungeons. <laughs> well, I definitely agree they should play it safe with that, but I disagree that they should be bringing it in. You, What you just said now, I think, uh, exemplifies it because magic is not a game where you play with dice. And them trying to take a game where you play with dice and implement that here in magic. It, it isn't magic in some ways. And I do have big concerns for when we look at other properties that will become a part of magic forever through universes beyond. And are we going to be looking at how do we, are we going to have models brought in for Warhammer? I, I, that's an extreme example. I get yeah, it. I'm using course. extreme example, but, but, but I'm using that to something. illustrate. Yeah, I, I, I think that the goal of Universes Beyond, and everyone knows I'm not a fan of it to begin with, so who am I to be critiquing what we haven't even seen and all this stuff, but I think the goal of it really should be, let's capture the flavor of the property, but put it in a Magic the Gathering game. Mm -hmm. But if we're going to say, how do we make the game of Magic the Gathering more like this other game, then I think we're really running a risk, really running a bad risk sure. of a bad experience. Uh, again, I haven't played with the, the roll of dice cards. Yeah. I've just looked at them, tested a few, but I'm I'm pretty cold on them and I'm, I'm cold on, on dungeons as well. So dungeons are incredibly safe, which again, I'm going to posit as primarily a good thing. Um, the overwhelming thing I've seen that I found bizarre was people asking for more and more dungeons. Like, why isn't there five? Why isn't there 15? 
And that's like, a, that's a lot of complexity to add to a new mechanic for a start. It's a lot of complexity yeah, people, to add to... People who ask for that, people who ask for that sure are idiots, aren't they? They don't know what they're talking about. That, uh, I think, yeah, yeah, Brian, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the two, the two things I want to say about that is, one, um, people compare it to Companion. It's not Companion until we have 15 dungeons and some of them are... are markedly better than others because companion was actual cards that you had to do a certain requirement to get that they come in that you've always got that one dungeons are more like having a selection or a a, a tree of etb or triggered abilities that you can trigger with the venture mechanic they're very very different but once we then take that tree and add 15 dungeons you've got 15 starts and then like three more and then the tree gets so complicated it's just so much bloat and weight to the mechanic and the game i think there'll be nothing but about this i'm glad they kept it to three how do you feel about this now i know you wanted more before have you changed your opinion oh i've changed my opinion dramatically okay. so the thing is is the reason why you should not follow me on twitter there's myriad reasons but one of the big reasons is is that on twitter i can just fire off a hot take without having to think about it which is the worst possible thing to hear from me uh, i do very well when i think about things and prepare for things not when i see a card previewed and then react to it yeah. within five minutes so i saw i saw dungeons when they were first previewed and i thought they were like sagas which i actually no longer think they are like sagas i think they're uh that actually the the level up uh classes are, are oh, closer definitely. to sagas than dungeons and so i got very excited because i then in my mind without really thinking about how this would be implemented i think when we first saw it we only saw one or two cards using the the the, the venture mechanic to begin with and so i thought this would be more like a saga unfolding and i pictured journeying through the dungeon and I also didn't even realize that those dungeons were the actual card you're going to get because another aspect I'm really surprised on here is that there's no artwork. People have created their own versions where they're drawing cavernous versions of these and implementing artwork and even 3D designs. And it's the dullest looking card there is. It's a magic card with no art. So it's it's going very far away from sagas. I, I think they're cumbersome. I think that the decision paralysis is going to be real with them. I think that they don't fully explain themselves. You have to really think about how you're using it. And the idea of finding this in several years as a card in a database that you might look into buying is going to just lead to nothing but questions. Again, I have no idea how these are going to play, but it just doesn't it doesn't feel like a, a magic card and mechanic it feels like again we're trying to create this thing the venturing through the dungeon should have been a result of us playing our cards playing with these legendary creatures playing with these legendary artifacts casting these famous spells but then still having a magic the gathering experience and i feel that this is not a full-on magic the gathering experience that they've tried to meld them onto meld the Dungeons and Dragons experience onto magic and it really isn't doing it for me. And I, I don't like I don't like dungeons. The the, the one of the three I like, yeah, uh, are the class. I, I like class because it's a magic card. Well the dungeon thing like I said, okay, and it's really interesting to say it's not like a magic card, because I think it's probably and we're gonna we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on this, but how I see it is a very elegant piece of design to give mm. you a lot of options off of a physical playing card that can't fold out like a choose your own adventure book, right? Every time you trigger that adventure, you are choosing your next page to go to in your um, pick a page adventure book yeah. or your next choice in a dungeon. And that is very hard to replicate on a single card that only has like, like you know, char charms are the closest we've got to that, right? Or creatures right. that have charm style effects when they enter the battlefield. And we know that because of Arena and Best of One that they've gone more and more towards trying to give us cards that have options. And this is the most elegant way of doing that, but where multiple cards tap into like the same database, the same spreadsheet, which is these three dungeons. So I don't see it as not magic at all. I see it as a very elegant way of doing this. I think it's going to be relatively powered down. And then what we'll probably see, which sounds like you're going to hate, is we'll see other variants of this, other flavors of this, right? Because this is just contraptions from Unhinged, isn't it? So you have contraptions, now we've got dungeons, mm. and then we're going to have different themed versions of this. We're going to have... Right. Uh, in the next... In Return to the Throne of Eldraine, we're going to have Tell Your Fairy Tale. And it'll have, like... Mm the same thing but instead of dungeons it'll be tell your fairy tale which is good in some ways because it means that we won't have a card printed in 15 years that just absolutely breaks these ones but what it does mean is we will probably over the next 10 years end up with five or six different variants of this stuff in magic and i don't i don't hate it i quite like it 
Um, I am I am disappointed that they were so safe with it because there's one card that ventures which is the three mana mana rock. It's called Dungeon Map. And I was like, if that was instant speed, I'll play that in every EDH deck. Because once or twice every game, I've got three mana open. I'll just venture. But if it's sorcery speed, I can't keep my mana up and fake my counter spells. So I'm a little bit sad some of it wasn't at instant speed because all of it is at sorcery speed, which I think is so safe. It's very obvious they were like terrified of what they've done for the last couple of years. They're like, we need to play it as safe as possible right now. So yeah, interesting stuff. Well, I'm really glad for that because I was very much against the 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 reckless way they'd been running the last several sets from last year, all the bans. I, I think that a lot of people felt the same way. I think the message did get through to them uh, that playing it a little bit more safe and having more balanced power levels throughout is a good idea. That doesn't mean there aren't powerful cards in here. There's plenty, but I don't know. You know, another aspect of this I don't like is the needing the separate cards in order to use this one card. So it, 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 I guess you could argue, well, that's the same thing with tokens. But with the token, I am able to just use a, a, the back of an extra magic card to represent it. And I have all the information I need on one card. And what I don't like is that if I don't have the dungeon card, then the cards are not by themselves usable or playable. I agree with and, that 100%. And I that's don't like that aspect. That's the messy mm -hmm. part of it. I don't like that aspect. And again, I'm really shocked that they made these as, as plain as they are. First of all, wouldn't this have been a great opportunity? Obviously, you couldn't put this in packs, but wouldn't this have been a great opportunity to take oversized cards like they have in Plane Chase, representing planes, and design these beautiful vistas that have the text overlay in a way where you could still see and read the text and uh, be able to give us a sense because a big part of magic is the imagination. And so we've got these dungeons, but I don't know what they look like. I don't know what the rooms look like. I don't know the feel of it. Is this a a, a cavern with torches? Is this a tower with, with stone circular parapets? I don't know. I guess that isn't a dungeon if it's a tower. Is a tower a dungeon? Is a sandwich a hot dog? Uh, uh, that's a very uh, good <laughs> question that I in no way want to talk about now. But I, I just find myself uh, uh, disappointed in the design. That, that, that's a sweet the idea. Cards. Yeah. The, the, the yeah. large dungeon thing. Like, when, when, I don't know if people remember when the first plane chase came out, there was a release event that there was for everything back then. And they gave away a unique plane that everyone got for showing right. up. I don't that know why cool. they couldn't just release those as um, the dungeons, like double-sided ones of those, I guess. Now, I know that every pre-release kit has a foil or two foil double-sided dungeons. So I don't know what's on the back of the third one. Because there's of, only... Of, it's a foil card cool if there's no artwork on it for the full it's like well but there's no artwork what's foil it's foil what about a blank foil like it's look just if like, dungeon wait, becomes what? popular enough to be played a lot in like commander and stuff those foil ones give it 15 years that's a good spec buy them up now that's <laughs> present kenobi's mtg finance tip for this episode buy up your foil dungeons now Okay, Brian, continue the tradition of you hating everything in a new set. How do you feel about the flavor text in the middle of cards, in the middle of abilities? How do you feel about that? I like it, but, but I don't hate it. Okay, so first of all, I don't hate it. I hate the potential of where it might go if it becomes a recurring thing. I think this is brilliant. Now, this is a way to keep magic cards magic cards, but to bring in the flavor of, of this mm -hmm. other IP and it works really well with Dungeons & Dragons specifically because it's all about choice, decision-making, and it's evocative of that. I think that's great, but I hope they never, ever, ever do it again. I think this is great this one time for this one set as an oddity, as a weird thing, but I never want them to do it again because I think it, it can be confusing. I think it takes a system that has been developed in Magic where you can just say, hey, morbid, hey, flashback and and people know where that is and now we've we've done away with it and we're just making things more convoluted harder to grok i don't think that that's where i want it to go but as an isolated thing a special thing that just was done for the dnd set i think it's great and now never ever ever do it again right no this is this has to become a mainstay of magic that's how oh, I feel God, about this. Right? No, okay, two, why? Two, two reasons. Um, one, you mentioned how the dungeons don't have enough uh, flavor to them with the artwork. And you said, oh, I don't know if this is a cavern. And I'm pretty sure one of the rooms is called Cavern or something. I was thinking, you're an English major. You've read a book. They don't have pictures. They help you picture things, right? Words help to tell stories and set theme. That's the first point, right? And secondly, you touched upon my other one, is that I don't want, when we inevitably have Star Wars magic cards, for General Grievous to get lightsaber counters as he kills Jedi, right? Because lightsaber counters sound stupid. 
I don't know any of those words you're saying. I don't know who that is, and I don't care to know. He's a robot who collects lightsabers. So what I want to have is like lightsaber collecting italics, and then gets plus one, plus one counter each time he kills a Jedi. Do you see what I mean? So the mechanical parts of counters and vigilance and haste, and the mechanical stuff can stay either wholesale or magic themed, and then we can keep the flavor things to that. You don't you don't want a Warhammer card having a bolter round counter or something stupid like that. You want it to have like bolt of fire in, in italics hyphen, and then explains it in magic terminology that makes sense to anyone who understands the rules of magic. I think it's wonderful for flavor and world building. I think it's wonderful for keeping magic terminology clear. What if, how about this? What if they made a in-house kind of rule that they would never use this for any type of, of sets, regular magic sets set within the magic world, but it was a thing that was uh, unique to universes beyond sets. And since universes beyond cards do need some way to be reprinted in magic, it's a cool way to be like, oh, okay, it has wraparound or whatever Star Wars thing you were talking about there. Did you say and- reach around, Brian? Reach around. I, I don't know what reach around means because I haven't seen Star Wars. I don't know. Okay. But okay. I don't know the reach around. I don't know the old reach around. Reach reach around there. I know a reach around, but you know. Uh, um, but I, it would be cool if then it's like, oh, okay, that's just storm or 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 flashback yeah. and yeah. then when we get the version of it it then just has that but i would hate in your earlier example of like eldraine for us to go into eldraine and then start using this in a regular magic set i i think that as a universe is beyond special distinction i could see that working and i wouldn't have as much of a problem because i'm basically just going to also tune out universes beyond sets to the best of my ability and just other people can have fun with them but i just i'm gonna universes beyond sets i'm gonna give as much attention to as i give to star wars we're gonna do a video a dtr episode on the warhammer commander decks uh and i want it just to be you being very confused as i try to explain things to you no look I feel like you're just uh, trying to be like, Vince, what if we just keep it to Universe Beyond as if it's like some sort of yeah. genie bargain because you just yeah. don't want it in your right. magic. It, well, Vince, some... you, you, get thing, you get cards reprinted and mechanics made and stuff. You do get the, your wishes granted. I can't even get Lord of Atlantis reprinted. They, they aren't wishes, Brian. They're hard work. If you pull yourself up by bootstraps, you know, you're American, you know this. If you work hard, you can do anything. Anyway, one of the downsides of the flavor tech stuff is that it does kind of... Um, spoon feed you some of the top-down design but i don't think this is even a bad thing like there's the um there's the rope the 50 feet of rope has three abilities and it explains like climb over tie up and repel down and it's like it used to be you'd read a magic card and then think oh i want oh that's oh that's representing climbing that's representing uh yeah now it's just like no we're gonna tell you and is that a good or a bad thing? Do you think we should have to work a little bit for our mechanical flavor and top-down design like understanding? Or do you reckon it's good to signpost this stuff? Again, I think it's a cool thing to do in isolation. I think that we also have to be mindful of the reason why a lot of people are excited about this is because it's never been done before. And it's cool to do things that have never been done before. But then when you do it all the time, it runs the risk of no longer being special and then the cracks and problems with it starting to show. I'll give you a really good example. For the longest period, magic was really, really tight in terms of frames, artwork. You only got full art lands in Zendikar and cards otherwise all had the same sort of look to them. The special treatment was a foil. And now open up a pack of collector boosters and it looks like somebody threw up confetti and potpourri all over your magic cards. There's 18 different styles fanning through it. It, it looks, I think it looks like like a visual uh, a diarrhea or something. It just is, is very, very unpleasant. And I think that it's too much and that any of those things in isolation, you, sh- for example, see a showcase frame and you go, wow, that looks really cool. And you go, we should do this all the time. And then you go, okay, how about the super art? Well, we should do that all the time. What about full art lands? We should do that all the time. Or more often, oh, what about these these stretched border cards? We should do that all the time. And suddenly it's too much and it should be reserved as a special thing. And that makes it special. I think they should not have done the full art lands in Amonkhet. I think that they should be much more restrained with their use sure. of this than they have T- been. Too much of a good thing can be a bad thing, but like... When everything is special, nothing is special. Yeah, sure, but sometimes when you make an innovation, you should install it into the rest of your, like, uh, 
civilization if it helps everyone, right? Can you imagine if they're like, oh, we won't make every car run on like electric because that's that would stop it being special. We need we need the majority to run on fossil fuels still. And we'll just have some of them now and again run on electric. No, if we make an innovation that improves the game, then use that innovation going forward. However, I was going to try and counterpoint your thing about confusing because I'm going to ask you what the problem is with this flavor text. And I think you are right. There is a weirdness that it is templated exactly the same as mm-hmm. like Tragic Slip had with morbid uh, uh, dash. What's, what's the English term for that? Hyphen. Hyphen. Uh, morbid hyphen than the extra text, right? That is the exact same templating as the flavor text hyphen text, which is very does, strange. Does Britain not have hyphens? This we is do. news to me. We do. I use them far too much. So they just start huh. to look like um, full stops for me. Hyphens and full stops just the same. When you write your YouTube titles, right? I just, hy- I just hyphen between everything. Anyway, you're right. You're right. The templating is the same, which is weird. But I guess they could just change the template. No, okay, that is strange. But it's so good. It's so flavorful. Trapped! Exclamation mark. It is. Just leave it be. Just leave it the F B. Just just keep it there. And and we can enjoy no. it this one time. Werewolves. And then maybe I, I yeah, yeah, werewolves. Well, now it's gonna They're be gonna be have Howl at the Moon werewolves. hyphen ETP Game Free Life. Like it's <laughs> They're gonna have have go for the go for the jugular, uh disembowel, uh uh well, tear off a leg. It's just a different isn't type a card of in this brutal set attack. Actual, it's just keen senses, then it's like draw a card but it hits them. And that's literally a green spell called keen senses. So it's like that's not even flavor, that's just them naming another magic card as a reference. It's yeah, I don't know. I, I do love it, but I do, that's the only downside is that it is templated exactly the same as the other 20 plus years of magic cards have been, which is kind of a weird thing to do, but I love it. Well, I think there's another downside here, possibly. I'm curious your thoughts on this. Given all of the distinctness of using Dungeons & Dragons character and flavor names, world names, and also using such uh, a unique, currently, templating system, do you think cards from this set are going to run a risk of being very, 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 very extremely difficult to reprint? And are we going to have a lot of issues here where the cards from this set that become staples in non-standard formats, which every set has a few of those at least, and there's certainly a few in here, I think, are headed for modern and popper and such for sure. Uh, Are we going to run that at Commander? Certainly. Are we going to run the risk of, oh no, this is a Commander staple now, and there's just no way to reprint this in Eldraine or Amonkhet or Return to Ixalan? I agree with you. It's a potential problem. And we've seen this before with just magic stuff. So like Liliana of the Veil, for example, they once went to put in a core set that was too powerful and then said there was nowhere else to put it because it was Liliana of that period of time, that part of the story using the veil. So she wasn't able to be printed in any other part of the magic story. And then we jump across to another property like D&D where it's not even like a magic story at that point. I do think the risk of that is lower when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons being owned by Hasbro and that's not going to be contracting law. So they could probably put this stuff on the list and they can put these in places but this set is very close to that line once we get into warhammer and lord of the rings and whatever comes next which i am excited about but we have this problem where where can they reprint Maunius kalgar nowhere because they probably didn't have a license to reprint Maunius kalgar he's a warhammer character by the way so then if that is a staple in legacy or modern or whatever they can't reprint it and we get this problem where it's like a new reserve list. And we saw this as a frustration that people were upset with with Walking Dead. Because again, where are they going to put Rick Grimes? Rick Grimes showing up right. in M21, M22, whatever it is, the core set after this? Just Rick Grimes randomly on the booster pack arc? Can you imagine it? If he was a chase mythic. <laughs> No, they're they're going to make they're going to make a magic world equivalent of Rick Grimes. Well, not Rick Grimes because they're not putting that in the list. But the other the, the the Stranger Things secret layer or whatever is going to have that. But they've already said that when they do things like they're doing a complete uh, Lord of the Rings set, they're doing Warhammer Commander decks, which I imagine will be a hundred percent unique. Well, I never thought they were until now. Now I'm like, oh, I can see how they can do that, right? So everything's going to be, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and so the thing is, is that they're going to make some of the cards have a magic equivalent that will then appear 
as part of the list, which is already very rare and, and overloaded with cards. I, I don't think that's going to offer any sort of a reprint solution in terms of affordability, and I think it's going to lead to problems that are the type of problems Wizards of the Coast wants to have, because then you put those yeah. extremely expensive in-demand cards in their extremely expensive booster packs, and you justify they the extremely it. expensive booster packs. They love it. They're creating a problem so that they could sell you the yeah, solution. so good point. So the list is... Wake up, sheeple! Uh, now me and Brian are, just, are disagreeing on everything mechanically from the set. We can start to agree on the consumer advocacy side of things. The list, I just want to say this on record now, the list is a nice addition to a slightly more expensive booster pack, so you're kind of paying for it anyway, that has, it serves no actual purpose in terms of reprinting things or putting cards into the secondary market or the, the ecosystem of magic, because it's... The reprints are so few. There's like 400, 600 cards, something ridiculous. And then they're printed at their rarity level, so Mythics are more less common. And they're only every four packs. Brian, in this list update for this set, they added Air Elemental. Air Elemental? No one wants a bloody Air Elemental. Meanwhile, the, 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 whatever other Mythics are on there, you might just get Air Elemental instead. So the list is garbage, but it is their way of saying, oh, we're aware of an issue and we're doing something. And people were saying to me, oh, at least they're doing something. With Walking Dead, they had no solution in place. Okay, sure. But it's like, it's a gesture. It's not actually a solution. It is right. them brushing things under the rug. And you're right. They create this problem, not only so they can sell in secret lairs, but so things go up in value and then they get the collectability that Pokemon. And they're probably, they're probably very um, jealous of some of the flesh and blood stuff and you know the, some of the cards and the prices there. They want that. Because that helps them sell things to whales and collector editions and special editions and stuff like that. So yeah, they're creating that problem. So all of these things can be done like that. What if there's 20 staples in this set? How are they going to put those into the list? 20 different versions of these are going to get made into magic versions? Ugh, yeah. It's not. It's 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 trouble brewing. It's trouble brewing. And uh, I'm definitely very nervous about it. Speaking about the list, the list has actually been updated for Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. They have taken out Aether Vial. That was in there for uh, to celebrate Modern Horizons. Kozilek Butcher of Truth has been removed. Phyrexian Obliterator. Are these cards you opened up in your set boosters, Vince? They no. were in the list. I know. You didn't get these in your... your... Tarmogoyf. Did you get a Tarmogoyf no, in your set I, booster? I got, a drift, I got a Drift of Phantasms, which is actually mildly playable, but worth nothing. So that's nice. And they've also taken out Splinter Twin, which was added to celebrate modern in the most epic troll of all time. Yeah. That they would say, yeah. are, they would add Splinter Twin. I think they did it on... Per and who says Wizards of the Coast doesn't have a sense of humor? Me. But, but maybe there you go. That is just the most epic chef's kiss troll if they added Splinter Twin on purpose. But didn't that fuel, uh, didn't that fuel speculation on it getting unbanned? I mean, that, that's yeah, basically insider yeah. trading at that point. They're like, his twin going into the list... Prices go up. What's you? I don't want to be tinfoil hat here. I'm just saying, when you've got a collector's market, that sort of stuff has to be not regulated because it never will be, but you have to keep an eye on that stuff. Nonsense. So the, here list are the, cards that the list is garbage, Brian. I mean, please go on. I'd love to hear what's going on there, but I'm never going to see them. Their price will be no. not affected in the slightest. It's such a dumb right. part of the product. Yeah, well, they're adding Demonic Tutor. Uh, for the set boosters for Which version? Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Ultimate Masters. Who cares? Do you care? This is another issue. This is for a different episode, but it's just there's so many artworks. It's just like, does it even, it's, everything is special now, so who cares? Whatever. It's Demonic Tutor. Uh, Doubling yeah. Cube, the 10th edition one. Hermit Druid, Gauntlet of Power, Gemstone Caverns, Corvold, Fey Cursed King. These are all coming in. Uh, but again, you're not going to really see any of those. Your chances are one in a million. I was a sucker about it when they introduced set boosters. And I was like, hey, this is a great way to get reprints. And mm -hmm. then it's like, oh, wait, math. No, it's not no, a great no, way to get it's... reprints. So it's not a solution to secret layer exclusivity. It's not a solution to universes beyond. And it certainly did not get a Tarmogoyf into my hand in the set boosters I opened. Uh, and I didn't get a Splinter Twin either. So I, I don't know. What's the point? What's just, the point? I didn't get my Splinter it's a, Twin. It's a good way, though, like I said, of them going, here's a problem. We didn't do anything like before. We're doing a little bit. And everyone's like, oh, at least they're doing something. Like, it's that, if, you, if you make a real bad mistake early on, it makes your mistakes later on seem lesser. Um, and yeah, the list is nonsense, absolute nonsense. There's something else that 
Forgotten Realms is giving us that I think is is just so well needed, and that is flying green creatures. Have you seen this, Vince? Which one? Green. The is, you know, it's a it's a color. Green is a color that just never gets to do anything fun, right? And so they have given us not one but two flying green dragons. And I, I gotta admit, uh, old Gnawbone is is pretty spicy. Seven for a seven, seven flying. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, create that many treasure tokens. Oh, baby, that is a cool card. And then we also got Green Dragon, yet another flyer in mono green. I, I, I could have sworn that was something that mono green was not supposed to do. But nonetheless, here we are. And Green Dragon is six for a 4-4 flying, and it has Poison Breath. When Green Dragon enters the battlefield until end of turn, whenever a creature an opponent control is dealt damage, destroy it. Wow, that's that's pretty spicy too. What I love about Green Dragon is that, well, it's got Poison Breath, which could fit flavorfully into green, because obviously they have vipers and poison snakes and spiders. But of course... It could be in black, right? Because it's poison breath. And then the, the the flavor text says, green dragons take special pleasure in corrupting the good-hearted. Doesn't sound very green to me, Brian. Sounds very black. I would have loved it if green dragon was a black magic card. That would have been so good. But instead, they went for this. It's green because nature. Nature. Nature does everything. As I say, on the topic of stealing things from other people's part of the pie, uh, White now has a three-mana two-one that enters the battlefield, gains a life, and draws a card. A Priest of Ancient Law. This has basically been Green's part of the color pie, or Black's if they lose a life while doing it. We now have the White version, finally. Um, it is a Dwarf Cleric, so they've played it safe and not making it a human and stuff, but honestly, I love it. I love how we've been told that White cannot draw cards. White cannot draw cards. White cannot draw cards, and now we have a cantripping creature in White. This is what they're telling you. They're saying, all right, shut up already. Here, here, here. You can just do it. It's like when you just give up as a parent myself when at a certain point the kid's <laughs> asking for dessert and you're like, no, you can't. You can't right now. You're going to ruin your appetite. No, you can't have that. You've, you've already had your snacks today. And then it's like, fine, whatever. Gummy bears, ice cream, just, just eat it and just leave me alone already. I don't care if your appetite's spoiled anymore. And that's wizards just, just like, shut up, Pleasant Kenobi, specifically you. Vince, stop with the videos. Well, whilst we're on the top of them getting me to shut up, uh, they also showed off some of the stuff that Gavin had hit out in videos previously, saying they're going to get more combat tricks and more cool things to flash. So White or Guardian or Faith. If we're going on the topic of White cards, we'll just cover it here. It's a flash, vigilant creature that enters the battlefield and phases out any number of creatures you control, which is incredible in terms of being a combat trick on a body. Like, it's like half a Teferi's protection on a flash body as well. And then we've got um, an enchantment in the set that flickers things at the end of turn as well, which just adds more to this. So yeah, it's nice to see white getting new and interesting things that other colors don't do. Um, well, okay, cantripping other colors do get to do. But like phasing things out at instant speed on a creature, yeah, it's wicked. So yeah, there's a lot of cool things coming with this set. There is, and another uh, color combination that's been long neglected is finally getting some good stuff commanders, like to just make real value engines in a very neglected color combination. And of course, I'm talking about Simic. Uh, we've got some great Simic value engine commanders in this set. Most notably, I really like Volo, Guide to Monsters. How's this for a legendary human wizard uh, for CMC? And whenever you cast a creature spell that doesn't share a creature type with a creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, copy that spell. Well, don't mind if I do. So now this is like the anti-tribal tribal yeah. commander. And I love it. I, I it, Think about the value of designing a commander deck and a Simic value engine around this. It's 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 just wild. The flavor for that card is amazing as well because Volo's the guy who writes the like, extended monster manuals. He's he's in a lot of D and D, but like in fifth, there's a Volo's portfolio of monsters or whatever. So it's really cool that he is a guy who is writing a monster manual and cataloging creatures, and then they put it into blue green. It's very flavorful. Well, and like I said at the start of this podcast, I think that this is how you do it right, which is that it captures the flavor and spirit of D&D, but then it does just, it's a true classic magic card by being a ridiculously powerful Simic value engine for Commander. <laughs> and so it's it's like, it's just, we're, we're doing what magic does best, which is making powerful Simic cards. 
How how were there any cards that stood out to you as the big flavor win? Is there any ma- magic card in here where you're like that is D and D to me? Because you've played D and D throughout your life, right? Like I, I'm not the biggest. I, I have played D and D, but I'm I'm not like the biggest D and D fanatic, deep diver nerd. I'm much more of for me D and D was always something where I never even learned a lot of the mechanical aspects. I was never a DM. I would sit down mm-hmm. and I would listen to the story. I'm, I'm the English major, right? So the story was what was important to me. And I would say, this is what I want to do. Tell me what I need to roll and then tell me if I succeeded or Mm -hmm. what happened. And that's how I would play. And so I never really got deep into the lore, especially because my uh, longest running uh, DM was not somebody who liked to to go by those traditional campaigns and did a lot of uh, uh, open-ended ones. And that was a lot of fun for me. So I'm really not in a position to say which of these are the biggest D&D flavor hits because it just it isn't something i'm very knowledgeable yeah and that, and that is one of the opposite people who haven't played D watching this podcast like D can yeah, be but great i don't see why people are so upset about that i saw uh, more than than one like like known oh, community no, 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 member no. saying that it was a miss for them because of that and i thought i'm just excited i didn't know who volo was i mean i'd heard of him oh but, like, I, see here, mean. I got to learn about it and look it up and they're like oh i don't know who any of these characters are I'm that just should, like so. That shouldn't matter. Like, if, if you go back and play, like, um, Modern Horizons or Time Spiral and you see references to sets 20 years ago that you didn't play and you don't know who they are, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change the game or anything. Um, but the point yeah. you make is really is really interesting in that D&D, for many people, and for me for the longest time up until perhaps maybe the last 5, 10 years, was, like, this thing where you get to tell your own stories. The named characters don't really matter and the places don't really matter, right? Um, but yeah, I think they catch like Minsk is my personal favorite because he's from an old video game called Baldur's Gate 2 and I love that game. It's one of my favorite RPGs of all time. I'm thinking of streaming some of it in part of the type and stuff. And he makes a little hamster and the hamster can grow big and stuff. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I love this set and I'm really glad to see it powered down as well because it'd be sad to see a set that I love and then have it just ruin legacy and modern for the next three months, which I'm hoping this set won't. Fingers crossed. I, I I think I've got like a lot of cards I'm going to talk about that I think are really going to make an impression in modern and commander and such. But I don't think there's anything here. All joking aside about like the Simic commander, which I, I was joking when I said that. I think it's a really good commander, really good. Uh, but I don't think there's anything in here that's particularly broken or out of control. That's how I like my magic. I like it a lot more balanced. There's great effects. There's a lot of fun you can have with these cards. And at the end of the day. I think it's a really good set. I know I opened up with some frustrations on some of the the D&D mechanics, like bringing in the die roll and and my my concerns about the flavor mechanic, not flavor text, flavor mechanic system. But I think it's a great set. It's a special thing. I worry about it becoming the norm. But as a special one-off, that's great. I'd love to see them do this again. How do you feel about them using a core set as the spot for this. Do you think that was appropriate uh, uh, or should they have found a different home for this? Could this have just been a block? It's hard to say because the core sets for the longest time were garbage and they got better like around N10. And then recently I felt like core sets have really come into their own where they don't feel like this random set full of only reprints or or boring low power level. They started to use it to explore parts of magic that we hadn't gone back to. We got like another copy of Omnath, didn't we? In a core set, for example. So they started to do that where like the core set became a little bit like Time Spire and Modern Horizons where they can, you know, appeal to people like myself who are longtime fans and stuff with reference to old cards and things. So I'm sad to see them go because the last couple were so good. But maybe this is for the best. Maybe it is good that we have like concentrated sets on things. Um, do you, what, do you, are you thinking they might just change all core sets to be uh, all, semi-universes beyond? The problem that they have is this, is that the core sets are often regarded by the player base as underwhelming and uninteresting. And uh, so they don't usually sell very well. And in addition to that, they don't have their own story. So they're, they aren't able to mm-hmm. generate a lot of hype, but they seem to be an important part of the overall magic structure because they tried to get rid of them and there were problems. There were big problems when they got rid of core sets. They had to bring them back and bringing them back actually seemed to solve those problems to confirm that, yeah, the lack of a core set did lead to larger issues in standard. So they play this important role. I think that they need to maybe shoot for the middle. There was a core set sometime back and it's regarded very highly. It was Magic Origins. Mm -hmm. And Magic Origins, man, 
managed to straddle the line. It had its own story because it was at that time slightly rewriting the origin story yeah. of, or just telling again the origin story of many of our planeswalkers. It introduced cool things like the flipwalkers that resonated in a lot of formats, excited a lot of people, told a story, highlighted planes, but it still was able to provide what a core set provides, which are certain needed reprints for standard, be they uh, cards that will help emphasize mechanics that are upcoming or offer answers for sets that came before. This is what you need the core set for. It's where the pithing needle goes. Yeah. It's where, well, up until a, a certain point, the doom blade went. I guess it's where murder goes. Uh, it's where those cards that you need to be in standard all year go. And so I think that they should maybe shoot for more of a magic origins thing Maybe they could do these every other year. I mean, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe the Lord of the Rings set will not be next year's core set, but it'll replace the year after that's core set. Maybe it'll be an every other year thing. Maybe they just need to rebrand things, right? Because, like you said, like core sets yeah. are regarded quite badly, even though I think the last couple have been absolute bangers in terms of like giving us interesting cards for Commander, Modern, Legacy, Standard, so on. Field of the Dead was a core set card, you know? For better or for worse. But I wonder if it's a rebranding thing, because people do remember Origins rather fondly. And to, to be honest, when you're saying, I was like, is that, I guess it was the core set at the time. And there have been storylines in core sets. We had like, is M13 or 14 when Garrick came back and was hunting people with the Veil Curse and stuff? That was all part of the right. story. But people forget it because it's like, core, just core set booster packs don't hit the same. But the packaging, when I see a core set from two years ago, I'm like, oh, that's out of date. If I see an out, like someone that's passing out of stand, I'm like, oh, that's going to have some prestige in years to come, you know? So maybe it's just a rebranding thing. Interesting point you make about Lord of the Rings not taking this slot, though. If Lord of the Rings is an addition to this, and then we get mm -hmm. the core set, and the core set is also set in D&D &D again, or somewhere else, we're then going to have a period of magic where it, it becomes real deconstructed, because we have standard where there's Lord of the Rings characters like Gandalf fighting Edwin from D&D. &D, uh, Elminster, sorry, not Edwin. Uh, Elminster. And then, and then there's series a third. Oh, yeah, it's going to get pretty deconstructed and pretty not magic pretty fast. And that's something people have been worried about. And I've been saying, oh, I'm sure they won't do that. I'm sure they won't do that. Uh, that's funny, because I'm sure they will. I think that's exactly <laughs> where we're headed. And uh, as Ooh. much as I disagree with it, as much as I don't like it, I, I also feel there's nothing that can be done about it. I still love magic, and there's a lot about magic that I love. But I do feel that we're going to see that snowball. However, that perhaps, is a topic for another time. So something else I wanted to ask before we finish up then is, this is obviously not a magic set. So is this is this the first Universes Beyond set? No, no, no. They've actually, they, they said this. This isn't open to interpretation. This is not Universes Beyond. It doesn't have the Universes Beyond hologram that all Universes Beyond cards will have. And they literally put out a statement saying, we just want to be clear, this is not the start of Universes Beyond. So it's it's not Universes Beyond. But they've also confirmed that it's not in Magic Canon, so it's not magic either. Well, neither is Universes Beyond. 